Welcome everyone to our featured podcast on thought leadership with Dr. Ray McKinley. Dr. McKinley is an expert on leadership and character development. Let's join the conversation now. Hello, everyone. This is Ray McKinley. Welcome to our weekly podcast, Ride the Elephant, today. And we're very excited about you joining us because we've had some very interesting conversations on the last three episodes. And it kind of builds up to this concept of being in a mindset of victimhood or basically being in a place where we find ourselves blaming, making excuses, being in a place of not being able to forgive our perpetrators, forgive situations that have occurred in the past. We've talked about that quite a bit. And there is a level of blaming and excuse making that is so deeply ingrained in the mindset of an individual that is nearly impossible to change. It becomes so chronically expressed that it permeates a person's mindset, personality, and social expression. This is the perpetual victim. Perpetual victims seem to be doomed to live a life of victimhood, and it is almost impossible to see it ever change. For many, victimhood is a life sentence. Brian, what do you think about that? Yeah, this seems to go on and on in individuals, and it also seems to go on and on in kind of the public conversation, the constantly revisiting the victimization of people in the past. Like, victimhood is related to unforgiveness, like we talked about last week, and it's unhealthy. I mean, it's physiologically damaging to be stuck in a state of victimhood. And to be stuck in a lifetime of victimhood can be quite debilitating. So it seems to me that the victim has to acknowledge the reality of where they are. I mean, it's just as unhealthy to deny that you're a victim or to suppress it or to try to cover it up or block it out. So we have to acknowledge where a person has been a victim. It has to be validated. That's the starting point. Yes. But we can't wallow in there. We can't stay stuck there. That's not healthy either. We have to transcend that victimhood. Well, Brian, it's both social and personal, as you said, you know, and I was kind of looking at some of the other thought leaders out there, some of the people that have weighed in on this concept of victimhood. And of the thousands of notable people that have weighed in, I wanted to focus in on a couple of them. One is by Desmond Tutu, the South African civil rights activist. And he said, if forgiving depended on the culprit owning up, then the victim would always be at the mercy of the perpetrator. The victim would be bound in the shackles of victimhood. What's your thought about that observation about victimhood? Yeah, so again, if something has happened and you feel like a victim, that's very real. But it is giving the perpetrator, it is giving external powers power over you. And 
ignoring the reality. And I believe that this is a reality that everybody can benefit from in time and recognize that you have the personal power to rise above the past, to transcend that which was done to you. Maybe find the silver lining in it, forgive the perpetrator, grow from it, help other victims of similar issues. And again, justice is not necessarily within your control. You may never have justice, but transcendence is within your control. So when you say, okay, I'm going to face this victimhood thing and I'm going to transcend it, that's taking back your personal power. That is staking a claim of freedom and saying, I am free from my past. I am free from this accident. I'm free from this disease that I did not cause. I'm free from this horrible thing that this person did to me. And I have the power to move on. If you don't do that, you're just continuing to give the perpetrator the power over you. Well, it's kind of like you said last week. You keep stabbing yourself with the same arrow over and over again. The perpetrator's not stabbing you with the arrow but you continue to do so. And as long as you can't forgive, and as long as you take this position of having this perpetual victimhood mindset, you just keep stabbing yourself over and over again and feeling that pain and feeling that suffering, feeling that angst, feeling that anger, the fear, the hate, the bitterness, all those emotive feelings that typically keep the perpetual victim in a place of bondage in a place of hurt and a place of pain where they can never break away from that. Yeah. I like that you use the word perpetual victim because a victim, they're everywhere. Yes. The world is a harsh place. You're going to find yourself the victim of some circumstance. You don't have to stay stuck there. And that's the key. It's the perpetual victim that really is stuck. And that's what you're talking about. You're not yeah. denying that victimhood happens. There are victims. There are people who have been beat up on. But to keep reliving it is within your control. It's avoidable. You can transcend. Yeah, the atrocities that people have had to experience and we've observed people experience and you look at it and say, how could they ever forget? How could they ever forgive? How could they ever move on beyond that? And it's understandable. I mean, most of us have found ourselves in this situation in the past where we've held on to things for years and years and years. I've experienced the perpetual victimhood mindset. I know it well. I've seen it in my family. I've seen it in my relationships. I know it well. And I think one of the things that we need to do is break that pattern of beliefs that we have about ourselves in change the mindset so that we no longer are being held in bondage by that victimhood mindset. I think one of the things that has happened in our society today, Brian, that I have observed is almost a celebration of victimhood. There's so much virtual signaling out there about victimization and justification for the victim. And I think one of the interesting quotes I ran across 
was George Will, the syndicated columnist, said, this is quote, the cultivation, even celebration of victimhood by individuals, tort lawyers, politicians, and the media is both cause and effect of today's culture of complaint. Hmm. Wow. What are your thoughts about that based on what you're observing in the media, in the politicians, in the social arena, in the civil discourse of America? Oh, boy, this is a sticky subject now. But I agree with you. I'll try to be delicate here. And I like the word complaint because that, to me, is the primary action verb of the perpetual victim to continue to complain about it. And it's interesting. I believe that in most cases, what doesn't kill you makes you stronger. So when a person is damaged, which seems inevitable for most of us, that pain can be transformed into strength through renewal, positive thinking, forgiveness. Those people tend to be leaders for other people who are in pain. In a way, pain is a thing to celebrate because it does make you stronger. Everybody loves an underdog. Everybody loves to see someone who was hurt then grow beyond it. But what you're talking about is a perversion of that celebration. It's celebrating the wrong side of that victimization. It's the, yes. the wrong side of that pain. Yeah, I talk about that in my book, Ride the Elephant, The Journey to True Success. And people have asked me, you know, why do we celebrate the victimhood mindset? And George Will, I was kind of fascinating when he used the word, the cultivation, even celebration of the victimhood by intellectuals, tort lawyers, politicians, and media. I found that very interesting because that was very much the point I was trying to drive home in that piece in the book and how we have allowed what I see as a negative effect on individuals and on a culture and we've even come to a point where we celebrate it as if it's good and if it's right and it's justified. And to me, it's the poison. It's the venom. To a snake, the venom is a good thing. They use it for their defense to ward off their attackers. And to me, the venom of victimhood is poison. And to the rest of us, and really, it's poison to the snake as well. Any thoughts? It's also being used to silence other people and to trample on their right to speech. And you hear this idea of lived experience. And the woke culture likes to argue that, well, you can't talk about this topic. You can't talk about what it's like to be in this particular demographic because you haven't lived that experience, so you're not allowed to talk about it. You're yeah. not allowed to have thoughts on it. You're not allowed to help. You're not allowed to advance any progress on growth in this area because you haven't lived that experience. And again, that is a perverse celebration of painful lived experience as opposed to 
just allowing some freedom for people to have thought that they might not necessarily have an anecdotal experience or connection to. You know, people are allowed to think, people are allowed to speak. And so you're seeing this victimization thing where victims say, well, you're not a victim, so you're not allowed to have thoughts on this. And that's just crazy. Well, you know, it's interesting, Brian. I was kind of reviewing some things here this morning, and Kat Timp, a fellow student of yours from high school. Yeah, Kat Timp and I went to high school together. She's Fox Nation on Fox News now, yeah. Yeah, she's a libertarian columnist, television personality reporter, and comedian, actually. And she had an interesting observation. Her quote was, I myself have been the victim of some absolutely horrific speech throughout the years. I know how bad it can make you feel. And yet, I still believe firmly that no words directed at me could ever feel worse than having to worry about losing my right to use my own. Ooh, I like that. It's very wise. Well, that kind of builds off what you were saying about how we are now using this victimhood mindset and allowing this woke culture to raise up the victim. And in doing so, we are minimizing free speech. We're minimizing our opportunity to say, and as Kat Tim says, we're losing our right to use my own words, my own free speech. So I guess I'm willing to take the hits when people want to talk about me because I want to have the ability to say what I want to say. And I never want that freedom taken away. So any more thoughts about how this victimhood mindset socially and culturally is affecting our ability to be truthful and honest and candid about how we really feel about things? Okay, again, this is definitely something that's within your power to change and to grow beyond. And you and I know people, yourself and myself included, who have things that haven't gone away. And yet most days you have to make the choice to transcend that victimization. And there are people who will see eye to eye with you and they will validate your experience and they love you and they will help you. And that solidarity is, I think, a key ingredient to growing out of perpetual victimization and into freedom. And the commiseration is not solidarity. So we have to surround ourselves with like-minded people who are not complainers, not commiserators, but will show us solidarity in our times of need and be there to support us in our transcending that victimhood to have a better attitude about it to begin healing and growing because to continue to seek justice, to continue to perpetuate the victimization by complaining and commiserating is a perversion of solidarity. We can on an individual level go and seek healing and we on a communal level can seek healing and grow beyond the messiness of the things that have happened to us and we can be more ready for the messiness that awaits us in the future. Pain is inevitable. Misery is optional. I don't know who said that, but I've heard that before 
I really like that quote. Yeah, that really says it all. You know, I think one of the things that we've observed as we've seen this play out culturally is we've seen it take hold in our educational system. So in other words, if it becomes part of academia, it seems like that's like a stamp of approval that it's okay to feel this way or it's okay to have these victimization thoughts. You know, Thomas Sowell, another syndicated columnist, made this observation about academia. He said, you need only visit campuses where whole departments feature soft courses preaching a sense of victimhood and resentment and see the consequences in racial and ethnic polarization on campus. Your thoughts about that observation? Oh, that's so sad to me. I don't envy those people who are entangled in that mess. I had a very different experience in higher education. It was way too focused on the trade to be entangled in that BS. So I don't actually have any personal experience with this, but Brett Weinstein in the Evergreen College situation was kind of a very public harbinger of what was to come in college campuses across the country. If anybody knows that story, go and look into Brett Weinstein having to leave Evergreen College And I think it's been going on for a long time as an undercurrent. And now it's just becoming more and more in your face. And mm, I have some opinions about that. I've heard some theories about why that might be happening. And it's really sad to me because when I was young, I thought I was going to be a part of a generation that was going to move beyond all that. (laughs) I've been proven very wrong. Yeah, it's like the academia has doubled down on finding a need to preach this. You have a right to be a victim. Yeah. Uh, It almost becomes, again, virtual signaling by the college, but that they woo in the victim mindset. They woo in the cultural groups of the day to legitimize their lament, legitimize their story, legitimize their pain and suffering, which in many cases is in fact legitimate. And it isn't that we're saying that what they're perpetuating is not legitimate from the standpoint of a position to take. However, in the educational process is if we teach people to live their life based on the core beliefs that come out of victimization, You keep them stuck in their bondage for a lifetime, so much so that we think about the bondage that many groups of people have been put into because of these opinions and these social prejudices that we have. That's true. In fact, those have existed. But if you continue to live your life taking those on and perpetuating them within you, and that defines who you are, you're going to be perpetuating your victimhood the rest of your life. It's like the arrows that have come into your racial group or into your ethnic group or into your gender group or whatever it is. The arrows that have come into you, you now are going to take those arrows and use those against you in your own way. And that, to me, is sad. Instead of teaching people in academia forgiveness, moving beyond, taking the situations and learning from them, 
creating a situation for good. You know, I'm not observing the victimhood mindset of the social elites and the social groups of today. I'm not convinced that it's changing the needle from the standpoint of making it better. In fact, from my observation, it's making it worse. And it's causing people to stay locked into their perpetual victim mindset. When you start taking on these beliefs that I'm not worthy or I'm justified or I deserve special consideration, you start taking on these beliefs that many of them are really untrue and they can keep us stuck. And instead of having beliefs that transform this mindset and eradicate this victimization in your mind and have it be something different for you in the future. You have a choice to stay in our perpetual victim mindset, hang with the people that agree with us, keep creating the social narrative and the public discourse that keeps us all stuck, or we can begin to change that. And many, many people are beginning to change that. However, it's still an issue today that just does not seem to want to go away. Any thoughts about that, Brian? Oh, yeah. Again, the power of pain and suffering is in the way that it hardens you to better handle future suffering, and also the way that it softens you to connect with other victims and be there for them. The power of pain and suffering is not justification to bully other people and cancel people who you disagree with. The power of pain and suffering is to harden you and soften you, not to bully others and inflict pain and suffering on others. And that's what I see happening in the circumstance that you're pointing to, is that you have victimization being weaponized against people to cancel them, to tear down traditional structures, to demean people. Instead of trying to help other victims and foster the good guy so that these things don't keep repeating themselves, we are out to get the bad guy. Yeah. And the power of pain and suffering is to soften you to help other people, not to go after the bad guy. It's to help the other victims who need to transcend. Justice will be done to the bad guy. There's this culture obsession with catching the bad guy instead of celebrating those who are transcending and focusing on fostering the good guy. You know, Brian, as well said, I think one of the things that we continue to have a conversation about here, and I want to move into a slight shift in our conversation to what are some transforming beliefs that we could have that could bring about a shift in this. In other words, if I was listening to this podcast and I was questioning my unhappiness and my sadness with holding on to these perpetual victimhood mindset that I have, and if I wanted to start making some changes, one of the things that I look for that bring about changes, some beliefs that I think work for me and I've seen work for other people, and some precepts that we can incorporate into our mindset. And this six beliefs that I have kind of centered around these thoughts, and I'll throw these out and I'll let you kind of weigh in on them. And I think people can take these on as their own beliefs or consider them or maybe modify them in some way. 
But the first belief that I came to take on is even though I wish that the issue never happened to me, I accept what happened. And it is what it is. I am stronger because of it. What did I learn from it? How can this help me in the future? How can it help prepare the people I love in the future? How can it help prepare me for raising my kids? How can I help be a better boss? How can I help be a better citizen in my community? When we learn from the issue, even though we wish it never would have happened, then we found some rationale or some good reason that can come out of this situation that occurred in the past. And the second belief that kind of ties into that, oftentimes what I once believed about this issue is not necessarily true. So I started looking at that and saying, you know, what is the truth here? And sometimes I can't see the truth because I'm blinded by my unforgiveness. I'm blinded by my anger, fear, and hate. So I can't even think about what is even true. But I believe there's another truth in the situation that the victim does not consider. And for me, it's finding that truth and considering a different answer than the one we've been living with for the past few years of our victimization. A third belief that I have is I'm not personally responsible for what happened to the generations before me. So my family's victimization is not my victimization. Now, I may be hearing about it through my family and through the conversations at the dinner table and through the attitudes of some of the people I live with, but I have personal responsibility to respond to it now, and that is not me. I did not go through that. Yes, my parents went through that, my previous generations through it, but it's not me. Why do I hold on to that victimhood mindset? It wasn't my experience directly, only vicariously through the echo chamber of my family of origin. So that's a belief that I would consider taking a look at. The other belief I have is that codependent relationships keep me stuck in my victimhood. And are my associations codependent or the wise counsel? And what I mean by that is we have a tendency to have conversations about these issues that we're having with other people who have the same issues. I call those codependent relationships. We all kind of are saying the same thing. And we have friends who say, you have every right to feel that way. I feel the same way. I feel that we've been cheated. I feel this, I feel that. And we all kind of share in this lament and share in this common story. And I think as long as we associate with those kinds of like-minded people, and we have a tendency to do that, that I understand, we will never break through that pattern. And this is where wise counsel comes in, where we have a conversation with somebody from a different perspective. And I think that's an important aspect. And I think the fifth belief we've covered quite a bit, and that's the unforgiving heart holds me in bondage. It's so important that we're able to forgive our previous situations, forgive our parents, forgive our perpetrators, forgive society, forgive the government, whatever might have occurred. We need to be able to do that. Yes, that takes time. I understand that. But as long as we can't forgive, we oftentimes will be controlled and manipulated by that situation for a lifetime. See, those are all really, really powerful states of mind. 
How do you get those to sink in? Well, candidly, for me, it was I was so unhappy with being a perpetual victim that I just said, there's got to be a better answer. There's got to be a better solution. There's got to be another way to look at this. And I started to say things like this to myself. What I experienced in the past, holding on to it makes me experience it day in and day out. And I don't want to keep experiencing it. So I think I started to make that decision. I just don't want to keep experiencing these same things over and over again. So I said to myself, I will reframe my personal history with the wisdom that has come with my age. In other words, I basically would go back and replay the story again. For me, it was to go back and look at the situation that I felt responsible for as a young boy. And I went and reframed that. Now, reframing is an interesting term. It's basically where you take the same situation and you put a new frame around it. The artist will tell you oftentimes that if you want to change the perspective of a drawing or a painting, a piece of art, put a new frame around it, change the colors, change the design, and the frame will convey a different message. And I think one of the things that I started to do was reframe those situations and say, what will my adult self do now in that situation? Yes, I know what my child self did in that situation. I know what I did 20 years ago. I know what I did 40 years ago. But now that I've had the chance to mature through life and observe the pain and suffering that I've seen so many other people go through and come out on the other side stronger and better because of it, what have I learned in my personal history and what wisdom has come to me as I've gotten older? So that, to me, has been a big thing. Again, forgiveness, I will forgive those who have hurt me. I will forgive my perpetrator. I will forgive myself for hanging on to anger, hate, and unforgiveness for so long. I held on to it for so long, and I really felt I had to just forgive myself for not letting that go. And I started to believe that I have the strength and power to persevere through all things, even my victimhood. And I think the other thing that I would say is I will not inherit the victimhood of my forefathers. I made a commitment to disband my codependent relationships. Anybody that was keeping me stuck and agreeing with me, I ended those relationships and went with relationships that I saw would be more fulfilling and more nurturing to my new well-being. So some of these things are like mantras, and it's like you're talking to yourself in your head. But instead of replaying the victim tape on a loop, you say, stop, pause that. We're not going to play the victimhood tape today. I'm going to use this other mantra instead. And in some of these cases, it's just kind of forcing yourself, especially at first, to repeat these new beliefs, these new I will statements about how I'm going to think about this in my life, how I'm going to act in my life about this. And it's just changing your thoughts. But in another way, it requires some outward action. For example, the codependency thing. That's not something that you just change by changing the way you talk to yourself. That requires some active moving away from relationships of codependence and really connecting with people who are oriented to progress and away from victimhood. So it's a combination, it sounds like, of changing the way that you talk to yourself and then maybe also changing the circumstances of your environment around you. So you have to both actively change your internals and externals 
to slowly over time get this new mindset to really sink in. And then to the point that you actually recognize that, yes, that happened. I am better for it. I am healing. I am growing. I am getting stronger. And these are the benefits that I'm now seeing in my life from this new mindset. Is that what you're describing? Yeah, absolutely. It's exposing the elephant in the room. It's exposing that situation in my life that I realized was not serving me well. I recognized that I was spewing hate and poisonous venom onto other people in my relationships because of what I experienced in my life. In other words, because of my victimhood mindset that I had, I was not a pleasant person to be around. So I wanted to have new relationships, but unfortunately, the only relationships I was able to stay in were the relationships that people who felt the same way I did. And they spewed hate and poisonous venom about their situation. So we had this joint conversation that we could lament together the situations or our past. But that isn't who I wanted to be. And I started to find people who didn't have that in their conversations internally, and they didn't have it externally. So instead of words and thoughts of hate and anger and bitterness and resentment, I had changed it to love and acceptance. And you sit there and say, well, isn't that kumbaya? Isn't that wonderful? But it truly is. When you start accepting people for where they are, including yourself, things change. Because there's something about victimhood that is unaccepting. You're unaccepting of the situation that happened. You're unaccepting of the culture that perpetuated the situation. You're unaccepting of your perpetrator. And it's really hard to come to a place where you come to total unconditional acceptance of yourself and others. Accepting yourself for your folly, for your mischief and what you always thought and how it damaged you in so many ways, mentally and emotionally and physically. And recognizing that love and acceptance was a better alternative than bitterness, anger, hate, vitriol. And I think that was the key. When I started to recognize there's a benefit to having love and acceptance, and I realized that that benefit to me would be greater than the benefit I was experiencing from being angry, bitter, and justifying my perpetual victimhood, there was a willingness and desire and intention to change. But it didn't just change magically. It changed by putting personal intention on it, having precepts that I started to consider and start having conversations about and start having conversations with wise counsel about these things. People who are more willing to accept what I was saying versus the people that were only hearing my complaining, my victimization, and all those negations that I kept spewing out to them over the years that I really had to have a different conversation with a different group of people. And that's why it's so important that we connect with somebody who can support us and have more edifying experiences and esteem building experiences around our conversations so that this elephant in the room that I haven't wanted to talk about or wanted to talk about in a very negative way now then becomes an opportunity for me to grow, an opportunity for me to learn, and 
not only learn it, but then also sharing that gift of awareness with you, my other children, with my patients, with people I know, with my students, to give them another way to look at the situation that they've experienced in their life or how they're looking at the situation that they experienced in their life. And that's what's so important. And with that, love and acceptance becomes, for the first time in my life, I start having this peace of mind, a sense of contentment and joy and fulfillment and gratitude. You know, it's real hard to be grateful when you're bitter and angry at your perpetrator. Mm. And a place of gratitude is a much better place to be. It's real hard to show gratitude to another person when you're bitter and angry. And, you know, one of the things that we look at is some of the great qualities that we have the ability to share with others and to experience ourselves. We have set those aside because it's more important for us to be bitter and angry and justify our lament, our victimization. And as long as we have people supporting us in that, we're never going to break the pattern. That's what's so crazy to me when I look at how the media, how academia, and how our friend groups, how social media all keep supporting our lament, all keep supporting our victimization. And it's amazing to me. And really, probably truthfully, the only environment that really breaks that pattern, quite honestly, is going to church or getting into the Bible and reading biblical stories about the pain and suffering of the historical figures that we've had and the transition and transformation that we've seen that has taken place in their life. And then we can say, you know, if it happened to Jacob, it happened to Job, and it happened to Esther, and it happened to Ruth— then we can learn so much from those stories and take situations from that and say, all right, we can continue to be this other way or we continue to be more loving and accepting, grateful for others in our life and grateful for the situations that we've had to experience because it made us stronger, made us better, and it made us better teachers, it made us better parents, it made us better friends, it made us better business owners. To look at all the circumstances we've been through really makes us stronger and makes us better instead of justifying that we need to stay stuck in our bondage. I don't know how you feel about that tirade, Brian, but that's kind of where I'm at. Yeah, everything you said just there is totally very exciting. I mean, I agree that a healthy community is really instrumental to this process. And You know, some churches are not healthy, unfortunately, but there are a lot of healthy communities out there that aren't even necessarily churches. I've fallen in love with some of the people, and we're in Michigan, and we got a pretty cool music scene here in Michigan. And there's a lot of people in that realm who are in this category of forward-thinking, enthusiastic, excited they don't like complaining. They don't like commiserating. They like to celebrate and support one another. And, and yeah, in the absence of a church environment or you have trepidation about a church, there could be a community there for you. I have a tenuous relationship with church, but I like to go back just from time to time to be reminded that, okay, there is this community here. And there is at least 
I'm lucky to be connected with a couple of church communities where it really is a healthy community. And I feel very lucky about that. Speaking of feeling lucky, counting my blessings. And it sounds kind of cliche, but counting your blessings is really an important part of this process too. To be grateful for the people in your life, to be grateful for what you've learned from your pain and suffering. That's right up there with these other beliefs or states of mind that you've listed. Absolutely. And I think it's all a journey that all of us are going to be going on. You know, we continue in the jungle of life and chopping down the trees before us, chopping down the brush, trying to find our way through this tough, tough world we have to live in sometimes. And it's very, very hard to do that. However, when we start, like you say, counting our blessings, being grateful for what we have, finding the good in things, changing our negative mindsets, or the negations that keep playing over and over and over again in our heads, those negative tapes, and change those with new thoughts, new feelings that really come out of love, out of forgiveness, out of acceptance, out of gratitude, out of appreciation. And I think we can really begin to change the dialogue that we have within ourselves and have it be something different. As Desmond Tutu said in the beginning, if forgiving depended on the culprit owning up, then the victim would always be at the mercy of the perpetrator. The victim would be bound in the shackles of victimhood. And I think that's a very wise way to look at this and recognize that as long as you feel that way toward your perpetrator, as long as you feel that way toward the situations that you have been lamenting, you will be shackled by victimhood the rest of your life. That's a question that we all need to ask. And some of us will continue to justify it for on and on and on and on until the pain and suffering is so great that it breaks us and we decide to do something different. Mm. It's sad that it takes that for us. I wish it would just take a conversation for us to say, hey, you know, you probably change your mindset on that and quit being a victim and start being more appreciative and grateful and accepting and loving and things will be better in your life. Well, that's a platitude that most people aren't willing to buy into until they go through enough suffering. I know I wasn't. I mean, I heard these things my whole life, but I wasn't willing to break the pattern because my perpetual victimhood was who I was. It defined me, it gave me rationale. In fact, my perpetual victimhood made me stronger in the ways that I felt I had to overcome it. I felt I had achieved more through my perpetual victimhood than I probably would have if I didn't feel that way. I had to prove myself, I had to earn respect, I had to earn the love of my parents, I had to earn my degree when people were saying to me, I would never go to college. I had to prove myself. So I think in some ways it makes us stronger, but in other ways we have to recognize the damage and effects it has in holding us back and keeping us from enjoying and living a fulfilled life. So I think that's very important that we consider that. Brian, any final thoughts as we close our podcast today? So yeah, I thought it was interesting that this all really starts with you. Like you're saying, it doesn't really help to try and tell somebody this. They might not be ready 
or whatever, at no point in the list that you gave of ways to transition and transcend did you say, you need to confront the people in your life who are also victims. Yes. No. It's a self-confrontation. It starts with you. And then you, you describe how your change in your state of mind and your attitude change started to kind of had an odd ripple effect where there was a magnetism toward people who also were free from victimhood and other people who were still stuck in victimhood saw this subtle change in you over time. And they said, hmm, that's interesting. There's no confrontation required in there. No. It's just start within you and see what happens. Yeah, very much so. And we'd like to invite everyone listening today is to consider these questions, consider to have this conversation with somebody that you respect and love and you see as wise counsel and see what happens. So with that, we're going to close our podcast today. Thanks for joining us and join us again next week for Ride the Elephant Today. Everyone have a great week. Thank you again, Brian. Thanks. Dr. Ray McKinley is a speaker, author, and coach. In his new book, Ride the Elephant, The Journey to True Success, Dr. McKinley addresses the crisis in personal leadership and what you can do about it. Thank you for joining us today. Your feedback is important to us, and we'd like to hear from you. Email your comments and questions to ray at raymckinley.com. Join us next week for another informative podcast with Dr. Ray McKinley. Have a great week.